Shut up and sit down. Everybody's having a great week. I um, I'm a little off my game. I downloaded this thing, this thing on my computer, and it's my mom's fault. My mom was playing this game on her iPad for weeks, and um, she uh, she she wore me down, and I um, I I downloaded it to to my computer, and it's called Township. And it's available in the Windows Store. And it's available on iTunes. And, and anyway, it's ridiculous. Okay, so I installed this game and I've been playing it. It's kind of like Roll Story. If you ever play Roll Story on Facebook, regardless, um, I had my headphones on. I really wasn't paying attention, and the game was running in the background. All of a sudden, my computer started mooing at me. Right, mooing, mooing, moo. Because my my milk, my cows were finished eating, and they needed to be milked. So I had to go over there and milk my cows, um, and then I realized the the podcast was starting. So, um, yeah, there was there was mooing, um, and there's clucking, and I can, I don't even know what the sheep are gonna do. They'll do something. I don't know, I don't know what it will be. Um, currently, my train's waiting on porridge. You don't care about that shit. We're gonna talk about. You know, we were talking um, about. Uh, uh, ideas and um and plot um points earlier me and jilly and uh, we were talking about it and um i said that i uh that i didn't get bunnies i got wild hairs and um i'm never i'm I'm never short on ideas i have lots of ideas that i would never write myself and i think a lot of writers encounter that problem where they have a whole bunch of ideas um and that's one reason why I have a hundred works in pro- over a hundred works in progress, um, because I do get a wild hair four or five times a week. It isn't like it's a, you know. So, but I've been very disciplined lately, and I haven't started anything new because I'm working on my quantum bang. I am down to six plot points. Um, I'm on my final chapter, and then I'll be moving into rough trade for November. And then after that, I'll be in beta for my quantum bang, um, and then and then we'll have April. So you know, got a full plate, got a full plate. But we're gonna talk about uh, mutant ideas that uh, you guys can use. You guys can use them ever how you wish, and um, just we're gonna talk about it. I'm gonna put Julie on the air, and we're gonna get started. And I don't have my notebook. Well, shit. Now I need my notebook. I have to have a notebook when I do my podcast because I like to write things down, and um, if I don't have it, it makes me really uncomfortable, <laughs> even if I only write down one thing. Okay. Yeah, I usually keep a notebook nearby, too, but I literally can't even find my pen. I mean, oh, and I, God, I, am, I, I am entrenched. I'm entrenched right now, so I mean, getting up would be oh, oh noisy. Speaking of noisy... If I have to type, I hope you guys don't hear it because I have a mechanical keyboard today and 
you know, that, those fuckers are loud. I'll try not to type. Lady Holder's all such a bad influence. Where is Lady Holder? Lady Holder is in the chat room. Lady Holder is not in the chat room. What the hell? She's probably on the phone, though. Yes, yes. Um, anyways, we're going to do... Okay, if you don't have a notebook and there's something you want me to write down for you, let me know and I'll write it down. <laughs> I I will. <laughs> Although I'm also going to open up my notes. So I have, I have my... my I have my stylus and my pat tablet sitting on my lap, so I can also make notes on my tablet. Okay. So oh, that's oh. where I wrote my shopping list. That was a useful place. <laughs> Speaking of shopping lists, I am I'm having memory problems lately, and it's because of the fibromyalgia, fibro fog, um, and I put a little. Uh, I kept forgetting to put things on my grocery list. I would think about it in the kitchen, and then by the time I got upstairs, it would be gone. So I put a little dry erase board on my refrigerator to write things down So you know, as I think about them in the kitchen, and that way I can make my list later. Right? Right? Except my husband uh-huh. keeps putting shit on there. Which takes me all the way back to a year before we got married, and he took me someplace I'd never been before. I was an adult, obviously. I'd never been to Disney World. He takes me to Disney World. We're getting ready to go to Disney World, and we're in the hotel, and I am moving my stuff from my purse to a backpack purse that I brought just for the purpose of being in the park. And he said, "Um, why are you carrying a bag? I said, because I might need it. He said, okay, but I'm not carrying it. I said, okay. Halfway through the day, my backpack purse became our bag. Put this in our bag. (laughs) Of course. And ever since then, when we're out, if we're out somewhere, we go to the doctor's office together or whatever, wherever we are. If he gets handed something, he passes it to me and says, put that in our bag. Whatever it is. He assumed partial ownership of my purse during that trip. And it's been 18 years and it's never ended. Cast you in the role of pack mule. Yes. <laughs> why, isn't, why isn't he wearing your joint bag? Here, honey, right? put it on. And so now he's invaded my, my dry erase board. It's now our dry erase board. This is marriage in a nutshell. And this this is why, you know, <laughs> probably stickers get made that say this belongs to Kira. <laughs> <laughs> this is not This ours. is not yours, Barry White. Leave it alone. <laughs> I'm eating okay, so a just, uh I'm e- I I'm eating a, a mandarin orange. So you know immediately what I thought of. When I, when I was peeling them, mm. orange stuff. <laughs> our the oranges. Orange yes, our oranges. <laughs> I mean, that was my thing, man. It's like I'd sit down and watch TV, and I'd have my hands busy, right? It helps me to have my hands, you know, doing stuff. And I'd peel a couple pounds of mandarins at a time and bag them up so I could just eat them. 
<laughs> when I go in the kitchen, they're gone, man. That just, especially since there's two pounds of unpeeled mandarins still sitting there. <laughs> right, right. Speaking of mandarins, I bought a five-pound bag at Costco. I, I'm going to be eating mandarins for a while. My husband doesn't eat them. So I could like, actually peel the whole bag and stick it in my fridge, and he would never touch them. Maybe. Or maybe he doesn't eat them well, because they're not peeled. I, it's funny how uh, mandarins are so easy to peel, but it's surprising the number of people who don't eat them because they're not peeled. It's like they think, you know, that maybe peeling things freaks them out. Getting, you know, teeth underneath their fingernails weirds them out or something. I don't know. Um, but, you know, they did some um, – it is like a scientific, this is say done like a decade ago, where they took a bunch of common snack foods, like a Snickers bar, bread, um, or an orange, a glass of juice, just like hundreds of things. And they had people eat them when they were hungry. And they, and then they checked back with them an hour later to see how they were doing to check the satiety level that people were getting from foods. And the most satisfying food for, for hunger control over time was an orange. Makes sense. It's very filling for me. Yeah. Not a, not juice, of course. They, they're very clear about that. Not juice. You got to have all that fiber attached to it. But um, that oranges and that, so I, I it, to me, I extend that to mandarins as well because mandarins are easy to peel. <laughs> um, but so about this. Go ahead. Yeah. What I was going to say about the um, the mandarin orange is that. It's very satiating in a lot of ways because it has a very nice flavor. It's almost like candy, but it's obviously not candy. And you got your fiber and you got your vitamins. And it is, it is very filling on its own. Um, so, it's, so it's a great snack. And so natural sugar yeah, is a long-lasting sugar. So it isn't going to hype you up really quickly. It's very satisfying. And the last I, if I, I can recall that they have less sugar than grapes or like blueberries. Which are the Grapes two, and two, two are things horrible? Well, the they're they're horrifying. I love snacking on grapes and blueberries, but they're horrifying on the sugar front. You could have like a whole apple versus six grapes. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> like, what do you want? <laughs> which, which? It's ridiculous. It's like it's like, I love it's like nature trying to say that the, the 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 function of grapes is really to make wine, not to snack on, because it's not good for your blood sugar. <laughs> it's terrible for your blood sugar. But seriously, you can eat about six or seven grapes versus an apple, a whole apple, um, as far as the sugar is concerned. I mean, it's ridiculous. And blueberries aren't much oh. better. But blueberries sure are good. I'm gonna make some blueberry biscuits tomorrow. For my husband. <laughs> so I wanted to throw a disclaimer out for the chat room before we get started on the on the bunny breeding. Um, so it's sort of the intent was to kind of create like idea fodder for other people to come up with ideas help with it could take ideas that we talk about wholesale and you know, put their spin on them or it could spark inspiration to something else they do something in parallel or something and you know, the same idea in a different fandom that we talk about or whatever and we always have engagement from the chat room and that's great um but i just want to mention 
because we know we're, 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 we came into this with the idea that we're not intending to use whatever we come up with here ourselves. Although, of course, pieces of what we talk about, we might wind up work, finding their way into our work later because you never know when you're going to go, oh, I remember that thing. But anyway, um, if we're plotting something and you contribute it to an idea that we're talking about for a plot we're talking about and we talk about it, that's, you're kind of contributing to the, you know, wild hair pool. So um, if that makes you uncomfortable, be careful about what you say in the chat room. Or let us know that that's just some, you know, because well, basically we're talking about like ideas to spark other people's creativity. So if you're contributing in that, that's kind of the pool you're contributing to. It doesn't mean you can't write it. It just means be aware that it's, not your thing necessarily. You're yeah. helping contribute to an idea pool. And if you do pool. find somebody using your idea that, that was expressed, you're not allowed to get bent about it. The thing right, is, is the ideas point. aren't copyrightable to begin with. Um, taking somebody else's idea and putting your own spin on it is not plagiarism. Um, especially, well, not in fandom. And in, in, in fandom, there are very few unexplored or, or original tropes to be had. It's just the way the the animal works. Um, so, but don't get bent if your idea. This, this, if you're if somebody if you if you if you if you if we're talking about something and we're trying to solve a problem and you contribute a solution and we discuss the solution and go, oh yeah, that'd be a way to approach it. And then we move on and then you read that thing in a story a year from now. It, 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 don't get upset about it because otherwise, if you feel like that putting your ideas out there and seeing them used would make you upset, then don't say anything. Not in this. Not and in honestly, this you probably don't want to post either because <laughs> once your idea gets out there, your idea is fair game. Yeah, I mean there is there is um, some definition of plagiarism where um, the depth to which like some of these ideas are used can be plagiarist because like for instance, if somebody wrote a story that very care- closely mirrors like the Harry Potter stories, using different names. And none of the same words, but the ideas, the concepts, the execution are all mirrored. That's still plagiarism. But the basic yes. idea, that, that's, an entire, that's an entire story that's, that's been mirrored, right? So that's still plagiarism. It's idea plagiarism. And, that, and so when we talk about ideas not being, we're talking about like basic concepts, so the idea of a kid going to a magic school, that can't be copyrighted. What she did with her structure, if you were to like that, her, the entire execution, the words and the ideas all put together are copyrightable. So it's the intellectual property thing actually, it's not, it's not actually all that complicated, but when we're talking about a base idea, um, well, you could do this or you could do that, or here's an idea when we're just brainstorming, none of that stuff is, nobody's got a lock on that. And particularly for this podcast, since what we're talking about is trying to help fuel other people's creativity um, and give ideas where people might be struggling. Um, I just wanted to bring, mention that, that if you're helping contribute in the chat room, which would be, would be great, don't get bent if you see that in use later because that's the whole point. We want people to get inspired by this and go write something. 
not get bogged down in whose idea was that. How much shit have you two gotten anyway? About what? I got some asshole on AO3 copying my wor- my words word for word. It's been a month since almost it, it actually hasn't been a month. It's been almost a month since I reported it, and it's still fucking up there. And if it's not, and if it's not, I'm I'm giving it to November first. And if I don't get a response from AO3, I'm gonna go nuclear. No, blame you. I'm gonna make a PDF of all the parts. I, I see. I've already downloaded that fix. and did a plagiarism check, and I'm not the only one that she stole from. And I've already contacted the authors in question, um, where she's wholesale copied just parts. It's like it's, it's really weird. It's like a paragraph here, a paragraph there. She stole Minion, but she renamed him. I'm just. <clears throat> <laughs> and what's the worst part is reading through the comments and there's a fucking comment where someone pointed out that she had basically copied my my scene word for word and this is before she started wholesale copying my work into her work um i assume her but it could be a man i don't know anyways um she uh she actually had the fucking audacity to say in a comment that she'd never read my work. Yeah. <clears throat> and then <laughs> and then listed what her inspiration was for her idea and that if you had seen the same TV show she had seen, that you might have been inspired in a similar direction, apparently using the exact same words. So, right? Like, whatever. Anyway, I'm giving it to the November 1st and then I'm just going to be Oh, my eggs are ready to be collected. Um, I got a clucking sound on my headphones. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna go off. I, I mean, I'm. Hmm. Anyways, I've already notified the other authors, and they're and they put in complaints too. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but um, if come November first, you guys see a big post on my website with a PDF of um highlighting all her plagiarism, don't be surprised. <clears throat> That's some serious bullshit there. Screenshots are likely. Anyways, let's 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 do this. Um, <clears throat> mutants. Now for November, I'm writing um, a variation on the Bug John con- concept, which is very popular. It's a very popular trope in Stargate. Um, it's really easy to to slip that kind of thing into a to a science fiction um, show like Stargate because well number one they're already exploring alien DNA through John and Jack O'Neill specifically uh, early on in SG One that starts to come into play the first time Jack gets the ancient download we see the ramifications of one of his ancestors getting a leg over an ancient. <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> Are you there? 
Yeah, I'm here. I was um I got distracted. I got distracted by something on uh in, in on on another tab. I've closed it. Dear God. Okay. <laughs> yes, and Lady Holder is doing a sequel to her was it Wings of Unexpected Change? That's the title of that story, which mm-hmm. is always one of my favorites of hers. Um, yes, that's the title. She's doing a sequel to that, which is awesome. So I think that there are um, – we could kind of like – do we do you want to like divide and conquer the whole thing? Like do – because there's a couple ways to approach the whole mutant thing, which is one is like – a mutation, like you're writing a story where in a universe where there's a lot of a lot of people have mutations, which would be like one kind of idea, versus a story where you know your character is kind of more not not necessarily a one-off, but um, like the John that would be like like I so our our ideas would actually split that. You're on the side of um, an unexpected thing that happens because of science or technology or whatever that causes something to go kablooey. Um, whereas I'm writing in the MCU where mutations occur and they're super soldiers and it's just baked into the universe, that kind of stuff already exists. Um, and it's a really different approach. It's a lot different planning. Um, those two, those two different approaches where, you're doing, you know, one or two or a small group of people who are affected by something, um, some kind of exposure or whatever, but they're, they're unique in the world and in that universe as opposed to a universe where a lot of people um, have mutations. And I think Lady Holders comes in the same, is in the same thing, which is that, yeah, the ATA gene is there, but it's a very small group of people who are affected by this basically mutation because they have to go to Atlantis to be affected by it. And how many people are that going to happen to? So you have that tiny group or that one person or, or the mutation is new. Um, Maybe it's a widespread mutation, but the world hasn't dealt with it before. It's just, it's a little bit different in a world that has mutation and has been dealing with it and has superheroes or whatever versus a universe that is, more contemporary setting where people don't have those kind of powers and your person either has to hide or they run the risk of, you know, is the government going to try to experiment on them? What, what does the government do with them? How does the government deal with psychics or whatever ability it is? I think that's really popular in the Sentinel um, trope where um, the characters have to navigate the threats involved with being extra. Yeah. <laughs> in some cases, in some cases, extra as fuck. But you know, there's a <laughs> there's a there this um the thing is is as humans we we know as a species how greedy we are and how controlling members of our society are. And so you see somebody special like Jim Ellison, and all you see for me, like in the on the outset, is all the ways he could be abused. And mistreated. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I'll, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I tend to write, not tend to, always write Sentinels are known universes when I write Sentinel, 
is because I don't want to deal with that one or two guys in the whole world who are different and the potential fallout of that and what that, because I mean, that realistically has the potential to go very ugly. Um, That's why Jim kept his ability secret. I mean, that's canon, right? And that's why Blair sacrificed everything he'd ever worked for. My neighbors are just so noisy. If you guys hear that, I'm sorry, but they're just, sounds like they're clogging. No, I don't hear it. It's just crazy. So there's it. I don't. I don't even have a feel for which way most people are going in November. Whether they're going towards the small, isolated group that has a lot of issues just as a result of their mutation, or you know, more in the universes that would have mutations more widespread, um, like MCU or DCEU or. MCU is all that comes to mind. The, the superhero universes are all that comes to mind, but at, right at the moment, although I'm sure I can think of that, well, and a Sentinels are known universe would be mutation, a widespread mutations kind of thing. Can't get a whole grasp of somebody's concept based on their project file, because um, we aren't I mean, I haven't asked people to put up their plots <laughs> since second year or third year. <laughs> Although I did used to. I was like, I'll make you bitches plot. <laughs> but I stopped. I stopped being me a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes in boot camp you do something that's a little bit different for people. Um it's like a skill building thing, but um, yeah. So, so, some people still do that. Some people found that so helpful, like posting what their structure is and their outline. They still put it in there. Uh, there's usually one or two people on every challenge who post their outline. Yeah. And I think that's great. It's mm-hmm. like that really worked for them, so they do it. And that's what you should do. You should do what works for you. Um, so most of the people in the chat room are doing the small thing, a small isolated group of people who are affected where – it's not everybody, or it's not 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 everybody's the wrong word, but it's not widespread and well known. So it seems right. like people in the chat room are doing the. Um, that's that's a challenge. I mean, the the story I wrote that's similar to that is in that vein is um, in, intuitive. Um, that's the psychic one where there's a lab accident. Um, was they're attempting to cure a neurological disease using um, gene modification. Um, and this is where I went into the crap science because there is one of the methods of modifying DNA is through, through viral, you know, viral mediation. Um, but that's not just like it's something that you could catch. <laughs> so so I, that's where I did like the bendy science thing <laughs> where I had this virus that mutates the genes that they're working with. Um, get into the water supply, and so ultimately, once it's in the what's in the in the water, that's it. it the whole world eventually is going to be because they don't know that it's in the water; they can't figure out how it's spreading. But anyway, um, that was it. Was, 
I did a big time skip in that story. And and then I started trying to get a feel for, you know, show what the world looks like now that psychics are all over the place, right? Like, how is the world handling this? Because, you know, at first they were probably, you know, realistically trying to disappear some people and trying to take advantage and governments are doing, you know, questionable things. Uh, so I want to skip over that section of it and start to deal with the fallout of that. And now there's too many people to just try to suppress it. They have to acknowledge it and deal with it. And I want to deal with that phase. But it got really hmm, angsty on me, <laughs> like really angsty. And uh, you helped me work out some of the plot problems with that. Um, I did, so but much. I got uncomfortable. <laughs> it is. It, it, there, yeah, it is uncomfortable. But I mean, th- we still. Were, I still worked the problems out. It's just that you know it was going in such a dark direction um, that I. Ha- but the thing is, in order to in order to bring it back out of that really dark place where I, I have it right now, it's for me it's dark anyway. I have to work with. Um, let's do. I have to. It, I have to. Like do some awful things and. It's just it's not an easy write for me for the type of writing I like to do. So it's I've been in a very specific headspace to work on that story. Um, usually the same kind of headspace where I'm in the mood to watch John Wick on repeat, you know. Um, <laughs> it, so for the record, <laughs> it was not just a fucking dog. Yeah, right. So. Um, it's just something to be, when you're working in that, I mean, we're not really, I'm not really working in ideas here yet, but when you're working in that kind of, either make a plan for how you're going to deal with the fallout of the possible negative stuff, because just ignoring the negative side of things, like if, if there's like one guy in all the world who can shoot laser beams out of his eyes, he's not safe. That's just, that's just the reality in this world. He is not safe. So that's why Jim, you know, has the big secret. And if you're doing a big secret thing, um, that's that's great. You're acknowledging that it's a problem. But to just have the one guy who's really different in all the world, you need to have a mitigation plan for that angst if you don't want to just get into it, <laughs> which you can. You can you can just get into that darkness and have your character kidnapped and tortured and experimented on. Uh, if that's if that's the kind of thing you like to to write, you do you. But I, I would say most people don't go that dark. Um, and there are ways to mitigate uh, that the reality thing, to account for reality. And one of the things is to have it be very public and have the person who is affected be very like, well-liked, maybe a public figure that is beloved, and they're very upfront about it. Like, isn't this cool? And they're like, you know, on Twitter or Tumblr or whatever, they're on talk shows talking about this super ability they have and they're out trying to help people. And um, with the public eye fixed on somebody like that, your person, not, not exactly, well, sort of like Tony Stark in, in that sense, in terms of Tony Stark's position in the world, yeah, he fits, but Tony doesn't have a mutation. He doesn't have something that the government would pick him up and disappear him for. So, but, well, but that's not the point. If you, if you want to write a story where he's got a, a mutation, that's fine. But it, if we're talking about canon, he doesn't have a mutation. 
but but yeah, that kind of figure where it's somebody who's very prominent and very beloved or that people follow them and they're very forthright about it because public opinion and public interest can, can be a form of protection. So yeah. Okay. So that is what was meant. Is it hit that type of person? Um, But it could be, your your character could be um, an actor or whatever, or just they go public when their mutation happens and they're very forthright about it. People maybe really identify them. They're really likable. You take a character like Styles, who maybe gets a mutation of some sort and people really identify with him. They like him and public interest can be, like I said, it's a form, can be a form of protection. Um, you could have somebody also who just is very wealthy and very powerful or have somebody who's very prominent. The first person who's affected by, um, uh, maybe a mutation that maybe other people will be affected by in the future. Maybe it's a, um, a pre- the president or a president of some country or a, a monarch or something. Um, yeah. So it's just think about what what your plan is for keeping your character or characters from harm. Um, I mean, unless they're hiding, you I know, mean, if, if, if their intent, if your story is about them keeping the mutation hidden, that's fine. But with, if that's, if that's not your plan, if they're going to be out there, you have to deal with the, the one guy in all the world thing doesn't usually go well for people. One of the things okay. I did in um, Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond is um, before Harry ever came out as a parcel mouth, his father, Sirius, started working on the images, the image of the parcel mouth. And their, and his conclave, Harry's conclave, started working on it too. So by the time that Harry came out as a parcel mouth, it was no longer considered necessarily a dark gift. Now there are some people who will never be okay with it or never be comfortable with it, but it's not something that will get him shunned. So that was something that, um, it's a management of fallout for Harry. Mm-hmm. As he grew up into an, into an adult, I did the same thing with another story that I have not um, put out yet, where Harry is being raised um, basically in a trunk by his by his grandfather's portrait and a house elf, and that trunk is in the cupboard at Privet Drive, and his grandfather from the portrait is navigating the circumstances of Harry's life to put him in a position that when he finally gets to Hogwarts, he's like nothing Dumbledore is prepared for. He has a pure blood education. Number one, he comes into um, Hogwarts knowing his position, knowing where he's going to go. They worked with, with the bank to um, start to change the image of um, parcel mouth. Sirius is not in Azkaban, but Dumbledore has no clue. Um, so, you know, they've been working in the background this whole time and Harry's house elves have been spying on Dumbledore. So Dumbledore has no idea what he's facing the day that Harry Potter gets sorted. Um, so yeah, uh, 
it's about management of fallout and how that's going to play. That's very important when you're working with concepts that can isolate your character, whether you want to explore that isolation or nullify that, uh, that isolation. It would have been great if Scott had been killed in the pilot. And Styles could have dedicated the whole series to finding out who killed his best friend. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm going to go ahead and read this. I'm, I'm going to read this idea out that Ellie is throwing out into the pool um, and then talk about she, she, hers is a very specific fandom, but we can talk about how to make that apply to other fandoms. Okay. Um, so she talked about she had an idea for Teen Wolf Sky High. Um, thing which is where um, I fucking love Sky High. Yeah, I do too. Which is why I think this would be something you could you could apply to other fandoms. But um, Styles has a spark, um, but nobody knows how powerful it is when Scott is put into the hero support track. He follows his best friend. Uh, Styles follows his best friend. Uh, when Scott finally powers up, Styles is left behind. Um, and he has to decide if he's ready to be recognized. Uh, sorry, scrolling happened. Uh, recognized for who he's supposed to be. Um, she couldn't come up with more than about 20K of plot for that. Um, yeah, so you could... So I love the idea particularly of of Styles in the, in the sidekick track. And, you know, because that was kind of the whole point of Sky High was that the sidekicks became the heroes and dealt with stuff. And, and there's, you know, there's sort of like some messages about classism and stuff in there. Um, it was just, it's such a, it was a really charming movie. So, but you could apply that. You could I mean Teen Wolf is a really good um, group to put into sky high kind of thing because of the age of the characters, but there are other fandoms you could work with that with. Um you could even move it to more like a college type setting where you're you go into your superhero thing not in high school, but in later in life like maybe it's postgraduate thing like if you want to be if this would be sort of like adapting the sky high universe would be like you know um, like sort of like a superhero postgraduate work right like you have to have <laughs> finished your other education other education before you get accepted into superhero university or something like that it's a little bit cracky but sky high is a little bit cracky. So, um, I'm on board, but you're not, you're not limited to the idea of, you know, teenagers. You don't have to like do it with like Teen Wolf or Buffy or I don't know. What other shows deal with teenagers? (laughs) I don't know. I don't don't actually watch those shows. Is, is the flash set in a teenage or Spider-Man. Oh yeah, a lot of mm. a lot of the CW stuff has people at least who are younger that you could at least adapt into. I mean, it's harder to take a contemporary show where your characters in their late thirties and forties and then believably put that to me. That's like a high school AU, and it just sort of always kind of leaves me cold. But if you have a care, if you have like a, the CW programs with like any of them where the characters are in their early twenties, you could easily adapt them into a high school setting, and it's um not a big deal um but you could definitely just if you wanted to work with something like that where you know like superhero university kind of thing it doesn't have to be a high school setting 
Uh, it could be like people are accepted into this later in life, you know, like they prove themselves in whatever line of work they're in and they get invited to be trained to be superheroes. And you have like this whole superhero league that is sort of maybe, I don't know, regulated or something. Um, and, you know, and you have to be kind of mostly a grown up to enter, but maybe some people who are exceptional because of their, um, maybe they come into their abilities really young and they get, so like, so like getting accepted to college really young, they get accepted to superhero training younger than usual because of the, their exceptional abilities or I don't know. You could do all kinds of, I think, interesting things with the sky high concept in general and adapt it to fit so it doesn't feel like high school if that's what you wanted to do so that you could work with older characters um, or I do find the general idea of the Teen Wolf Sky High thing to be very intriguing, too. But there are ways to take – if somebody gives a literal idea and they say, well, here's this NCIS-DC crossover idea thing, there are ways to take most ideas and adapt them to the fandom you want to use. If it sounds appealing, but you're like, oh, but I don't want to write a high school thing. Well, it doesn't have to be high school. So how do you take an idea and morph it into being what's more appealing to you? Maybe the FBI has their own training program for their segment of superheroes because maybe mutations are just that widespread or superpowers are just that widespread or something. And maybe there's a lot of um, elitism around certain abilities or people who don't manifest abilities. And there's, there's all kinds of ways to explore what mutation means. Are you exploring it from the angle of the person and their journey? Um, are you exploring how society looks at and deals with mutations? Because if white, mutations are widespread, there probably would start to be, and accepted, there would start to be some sort of classist divisions. That's just the way we work. Yeah, I mean, I think there would probably be um, discrimination between um, intellectual abilities and physical abilities. Um, um there would be a divide, so to speak, between people who have an obvious, um, maybe disfiguring mutation versus those who are um, aesthetically pleasing, like somebody getting angel wings versus someone um, like the Beast in the X-Men. Although, honestly, yeah. Kelsey Grammer in the as the Beast wasn't, I mean, he was kind of hot. <laughs> I know. I still, when I saw him, I was like, that's Kelsey Grammer, really? That's Frazier? Oh, I, <laughs> I don't see it. <laughs> but was that Kurt? Um, what was his name? Um, the one that was abandoned as an infant because he was born with scales or something? Oh, the the guy in the circus, Kurt? That was that was Kurt, yeah. That was Nightcrawler. Night, yeah. You know, so there would be um, distinctions, I think. Probably some terrible ones. Well, in the in the X Men, um, in the X Men, um, mutation was not widely accepted in society. Yeah. So I mean, they they tried to they tried to, you know, r- regulate them. And that, that that whole thing with the Mutant Registration Act, and stuff, that was always, to me, that was always very dark. It felt very ugly. Uh, but anyway, um, 
I think it's a misunderstanding. Uh, the November challenge is not to write. You can write about a character who is. Did we say you can't write about a character who's already a mutant? No. No, I didn't think we did. In fact, you can even write X-Men if you want. Yeah, I, I didn't think that there was any distinction about. You don't have to write somebody who's a non-canon mutant. I'm, with the challenges, there's always like degrees to which you can challenge yourself. And the way in which your creativity is geared determines what's a challenge. So like, it would seem like maybe that writing long is a challenge, but for somebody who can write long really easily, writing short it might be the bigger challenge. For people who do world building really easily, creating a whole new world might be the easier challenge for them than having to do a fusion. So we don't, we don't define what's the easier thing to do. Some people might find it harder to work with a can't character who's mutated already and work with the, their canon circumstances versus taking a, a character they know well and having them have a new mutation. So which way you go depends upon, and you may not want a big challenge. You may want to write in your comfort zone in November. And especially if writing a novel in a month is a challenge for you, writing in your comfort zone is probably a good thing. Um Anyway, so in the X in the X Men, um, mutation wasn't a good thing in the X Men universe. But you could write a universe where mutation is considered a positive trait. That would be sky high type universe, right? People, well, sort of. I mean, superheroes were um, no sky high. They weren't really regulated. Superhero being a superhero was a good thing. They trained them. They sent them to special schools. So you could write a universe where having a mutation was viewed. That's a good thing. Maybe, and, and there's ways you could get to that point. And all you need to do is have a few key historical figures have been mutants. And like Presto Changeo, you have um, a different outlook on mutants than, say, what you have in the, in the X-Men. You make someone like... Um... You know, Jesus. actually, one of the more interesting things I can think you could do to um, to uh, found maybe even a nation built on mutation is what if the people coming um, across the ocean, the, co- the colonizers from Britain, um, were running not from religious persecution, but from mutation persecution? That'd be interesting. And so you have a population of mutants coming to America. Um, And they would be different because they would not be... um, I think that uh, people running from circumstances that they have no control over wouldn't be as inclined to act like monsters when they got here and met the indigenous people. So it would change the entire landscape of what would eventually become the United States. If it would even be called the United States. It would be something. It, it would change everything dramatically if that was the reason why they were leaving. 
It'd be very interesting to explore that. Probably not in the fandom situation, though. Did you need Somebody a lot asked, of room? like, that would, you would need a lot of room for that kind of. But you could have it just be, the simple way is to just do a rough cut where, like, you just take, like, it's been, a, it's been a thing forever. It's just why, it's sort of like the way we approach the Sentinels, our known universe, where it's just, it's a thing. Everybody accepts that there are Sentinels. It's not a big deal. There are rules for how they operate in society moving on. Um, and if it's been part of society forever and it's just some segment of the population sprouts, you know, antlers, I don't know. Whatever it is that happens to them, or they're able to. You're on an you know, antler kick stop. today. <laughs> Second or third time well, antlers have come up to you. <laughs> I know. Well, I, just, I keep. I keep. For some reason, you posted that thing about you know being yeah, weird I'm, or whatever. I'm get weird I love, with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that post. Is this girl sitting? Is it's this very sort of I don't know. You call it kind of image with this woman. She's sitting gazing off into the forest or whatever, and. You'd think it was like a, from a fashion magazine. Like she's got a pair of antlers on her head, and I was like, "Well, I'm I'm really all for this. Maybe not. Maybe not antlers. Weird. <laughs> Whatever. But what that whatever what happens, the meme is saying is is I don't know how many years I've got left on Earth, but I'm gonna get weird with it. <laughs> I'm like, maybe not antlers. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that's been stuck in my head. It's like okay, that's become like it's become like this. Um, the like this bar. It's like, is it is it antlers weird or not? <laughs> um, no, I really do not. Actually, I, I I will leave that in your hands, Azure. I don't need your. I love antler guy and neighbor Steve, but I don't know that I don't know that I could do them justice. Um, but if you have if you have like let's say you had some beloved emperors or pharaoh or whatever who were mutants and maybe you had like like way way back that maybe in order to be pharaoh or emperor you had to be a mutant um i mean you could that could go a dark direction too actually but if it's just an accepted part of society where a certain percentage of people are going to be able to talk to the dead or um are going to be able to use telekinesis or Whatever, whatever, whatever your mutations you're working with, it can you can just treat it like you know it's just a thing, you know. But you will have to at least do in your own head some adjustments for how history changed, how history was different, because it will be at least somewhat different. But anyway, um, let me ask in the chat room something that we've had actually gotten a couple times from various directions. Um, it's like if everyone is a mutant, is the normal person a mutant? If everybody has a mutation, they wouldn't recognize it as a mutation if everybody has it because it ceases to become different. Ceases to be a source of difference. If if it's literally everybody, in which case somebody who didn't have, if everybody had some sort of telepathic power, like literally everybody, the one dude who didn't would be a mutant. Yes, but it wouldn't be because he was normal. It'd be because he's abnormal. To them. Yeah, absolutely. But that's more of a um, um, okay. It's sort of like more of an, a, a thought a thought experiment because and it wouldn't apply for the challenge because the point is to give your character some sort of difference 
over what, what is actually, in fact, normal. Not to invert the challenge and make everybody different and your character just like normal humans. That's sort of the opposite of the challenge. Because it's called not quite human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to Literally. create to create an entire world of people who are not quite human and write about a human character is is like a mirror, but it doesn't quite fit. But yeah, I mean so yes. The answer to your question is more or less yes. If everybody has abilities, the person who doesn't have abilities would then be the mutant. And they'd probably be looking for what's wrong with them. Um, okay. Looking to see if I'd missed anything while I was babbling. I um <laughs> Ellie. <laughs> I think for the purpose of um the thing is, is that when you go in to write for Rough Trade, um, you are writing in a public setting and um you're you're building your story in front of your audience and a lot of times, um and I've done it as well. I've bitten off more than I could chew um, in the space of 30 days. Uh, and one of my goals coming into Rough Trade is to not leave another epic story unfinished. Um, yeah. So um, I'm 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 seeking to uh, moderate myself a little um, and to tell a very contained, tight, concise story. Um, so, if you're listening to this podcast with the uh, with the idea that you can get an idea for November, um, one of the things that I would suggest going into it is if you want to stay within your projected work count of 50K and finish your story at the end of the month, that you might shy away from immense world building um, situations and um, concentrate more on a small population versus a worldwide exposure. Um, because uh, the bigger you make your problem for your characters, the bigger your project will be. Yeah. That's not to say, if you want to full-on Ravenclaw it and write 100K, you do you. But um, you need to recognize your goal going into Rough Trade and what you can manage in the challenge environment. And... um, the whole the whole goal for me at the end of November is to be really satisfied with with, with what I've done, um, and for me that is not leaving an, another story unfinished. Um, it's just, yeah, yeah. I'm in the same boat. I don't. I mean, I I seem to have a lot of crap go on in November. I mean, whoever decided it was going to be November, that was going to be the novel writing month. I, it should be smack. Kind of a dick. It should have been October. Yeah. I'm just saying, because November, especially in you know, any country that has Christmas <laughs> celebrated as a thing. When you start dealing with the end of your holidays, that stuff all starts ramping up in November. And in the U.S., we have Thanksgiving, which is a huge holiday. Um, and there's all these family commitments. And really, October is a much easier month for writing. So, yeah. Um, and so there are 31 days. Yes, we have Just an extra saying. day. So your your word count per day is slightly adjusted. It's just, yeah, the November thing is always a challenge, and I tend to, when I'm going with a novel, wind up with an epic. I mean, I find out a 75K level, and I'm trying to hit that, but I was really working on some 
you know, um, like the outline the other day, and I was like, this feels like 100K, realistically. I'm going to keep saying it's 75, but I feel like I've even clawed this. But I don't feel like I've 250K'd it, you know. <laughs> um, I don't feel like I've done Hermione going for extra credit. So um, it's not that big. I do think that I could definitely tell it in 100K, but I think 75K is like, we'll call it a stretch goal. <laughs> just a little bit too because I had to there were just I had some problems in my plot and I was like and the working out those and that's the prize how you work out problems you add words so um it's rare that working out a problem takes away words it's almost when that happens I almost want to like post on Facebook about it it's like I worked out a plot problem it took words away because <laughs> it just never like, happens I'll be like pictures or it didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> Here's screenshots. Yeah, it's it's, it's rare. I, I maybe like once in my life has sorting out a problem, fixing a problem, reduced my word count. Usually when I run into problems, it's like, well, I'm gonna need another 10k to sort that out. So right. I am zealous over my writing time and the older I get the more inclined I am to be rude about it if someone doesn't respect my writing space um and when I when someone calls me and I tell them I'm writing and I can't talk and they continue to talk I am more likely to hang up on them than I am to do anything else these days because if you can't respect my telling you that I'm writing and I don't have time to speak to you then why should I give you the courtesy of not hanging up on you Yeah, that's exactly. where I am right now. I think I need to kind of like it's it's difficult with my parents around. It's really difficult, right, with with them around. But and they're going to be here mid November, I think. Ish, I don't know exactly. Um, you need a scope. You had a place to escape to, so you can write. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna. I, I'm working with we work at a better plan than we had. Well, last year I moved in November, and then my parents were here while we were still unpacking it. Right. It was just, it was a clusterfuck. I mean, I was writing on the road, and then when I like I, when I arrived, one of the first things I did when I got my computer set up, which I think was on the sixth, um, was post because <laughs> I I was writing while we were in transit because I was like I there was no way to do it. I almost didn't sign up, but um, I was like I just didn't want to not sign up. And then I was I'm glad I had that that thing. I'm like, well, I got to do some writing today. It's rough trade. Otherwise, I would have just, the whole month would have been a wash. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we we learned some stuff last year about how it went with, you know, the parents, and we're setting things up better so that it's not quite so. But I will be having to write in a different environment than I'm used to writing in, so like a different space, a different chair, you know, just everything different, which can be a little bit throw me sometimes. It's not Starbucks. Maybe you should I, kind I'm of have to, I'm practice, have to practice it before they get there. Yeah, yeah. I'm have to practice. <laughs> yeah, I'll go up and visit Barbara. Barbara, I'm coming up for the day to write. <laughs> I need to hide from my parents. Well, I am trying to finish up um, Lady Holtz, she votes in the practice. I am trying to finish up 
um, Recover, which is the sequel to React, which is part of my trio in my Come to Jesus universe. Um, so I'm trying to finish that story up. I'm hoping to finish it before Rough Trade starts and get it posted. That's my, my goal right now Yay. because I want, to, I want to finish the thing I'm working on um, before I go back to working on the quantum bank again. Because I, I, at one point, I was really scattered. I get really scattered when I don't get, get enough sleep. Um, and I can always tell because I'm working on, like, six things at once. And I'll just, like, literally have six different stories open, especially between files, which is terrible. Actually, I don't actually recommend that. It's a terrible way to write, but it's just, oh, I need to do, you know, like, four words on this. Not literally four words. It's more like four paragraphs, but. It might as well be four words. Yeah, it's not much. <laughs> it's like, oh. Oh, now I need to go back to this thing, and it. I just finally said I got. I want to finish. I've got too many things, and I started something new, and I said I wasn't going to do that. And, uh. <laughs> so. uh. Yeah, sleep. Sleep is. Yeah, I got to sleep to write. At some point, um, it it gets crazy when I actually pretty well when I'm very sleep deprived because I've you wouldn't there's been a lot of words that you guys have read on rough trade that has been on like five hours of sleep over the course of three days but the problem is I tend to not remember it (laughs) I'm like what the hell did I write I finally get some sleep and then I'm like what what did I write I don't remember did I write this did someone pinch it for me I'm not sure isn't that sad? Oh, okay, so for the approach on your thing, if you're doing a, like a contemporary setting where you're not in, a, in an AU, like a, a comic book AU or something like that, um, you've got the keep it small, keep it secret thing where you've got a, like a small intimate group dealing with it. Like Kira is a sort of a small intimate group thing because how how public? Well, I don't want to, you don't have to reveal this if you don't want to, but um, I mean certainly. I mean, oh, I'll go all in. I don't care. <laughs> I have you've got, the, you've got the um, you've got the SGC is aware of it. There's a trial and stuff. But is is the trial and stuff? Is that all going to be public? Public or like military no. public? No, it'll be okay. Um, the IOA is going to come in because after um, the mutation. Um, happens on the city and and it, and it infects the Daedalus. Um, Landry quarantines them in Pegasus and doesn't let them come back. Um, and the IOA um, wants the Daedalus, and they also want the city. And their goal coming into this meeting is to evict the. In- Entire population from Atlantis and take it. Um, and John has reached out to the Asgard, and so the Asgard um, agrees to uh, mediate a meeting. And I almost actually called this story the uh, on the Midway Accord because they're going to meet on Midway, controlled by the Asgard. And um, what happens is is that they both parties agree that 
um, the Asgard will decide what will happen to the city. Um, being part of the ancient alliance, you know, the ancients are gone, so, you know, the the, the five and the, the fifth race, all that stuff, um, that the Asgard are the only ones basically left, and they can make the decision um, about what happens to Atlantis. Um, and it comes out that uh, members of the IOA tasked Carson Beckett with creating a super soldier. And John was having a very casual, um, sexy relationship with Miko Kasanji. And to facilitate that whole super soldier experiment, Beckett interferes with her birth control. <gasps> so oh, patient wow. zero isn't John. Patient zero is their child. Um, and um, her pregnancy uh, coincides. Uh, it it wakes something up in John. Um, it wakes up the erratus in John, and um, the virus spreads uh, from John uh, basically throughout the population of Atlantis and the data and the data list. And they don't know what it is until it's too late. And everybody he has, a, he comes into contact with, they either mutate or they die. The Athosians, the people on the data list in the city, about 45% of them die. After the wow. incubation period is over, um, Beckett survives that part. And then Beckett gets killed. So one of the things that happens during the um, conversation that John has with the IOA is they want to know what happened to Carson Beckett because they want his research and they want him um, brought back to Earth. And um, John says, you can have his ashes, but you're not getting his research. (laughs) So... um, what happens is, you know, basically um, between Miko getting pregnant and Beckett fucking with um, John's erratic DNA, um, he creates a, a very contagious retrovirus, and it runs its course. And, and once it's run its course, it's done. Um, so, the, so by the time the IOA comes out, almost eight months later, they're no longer contagious. But the damage has been done. And um, Miko and John have kind of um, brought Rodney into the fold. Um, John um, has very protective instincts, and one of the ways that they managed his instincts was to give him a partner in protecting his mate. Um, and they found out that um, uh, because of the mutations that they, t- they tend to work better in family groups where there are two partners to take care of the gestating partner. And um, that also roughly 45 or 50% of the men who, um, who, mute- um, who mutated are now capable of, being, of, of carrying children as well. Oh, one okay. reason, that's, that's, that's one way I'd, figured out how to kind of make their population sustainable 
because most of Atlanta's population were male, and so was most of Daedalus. That's just statistically what it would be. So I'm on the fence about whether or not Rodney will be pregnant by the time the IOA come out. <laughs> but he is a carrier. Um, and so it, it's just, you know, I, but, but the patient zero is actually John's son. Um, and uh, and um, so when the story opens, John's getting ready to go to Midway to um, to have a conversation with the IOA under Thor's um, observation. I like that. So um, yours would be like it, it's it's the secret, but you've got like everybody within the sphere of like presumably the SGC and the IOA is aware of what's going on. So you don't have the secrecy is from the public, but like everybody in the story is is basically in on what's happening. So right. I find that to be a very like easy scenario to manage because you don't have to keep track of who knows what, are they in on the secret, the big reveal. And the reveals are the things that happen in the story, the revealing what's happened. But if you're having this whole hearing kind of thing or whatever, every, everybody who's in the story is in on the secret. Um, the secret is from the public. It's not from the characters in the story. Um, so that's kind of like keeping it, contained so we talk about like approaches like you can have like your character is dealing with it like quietly you know you could do like the kind of the neighborhood spider-man kind of thing where they wear a mask and they don't reveal their identity and nobody knows who they are and they learn to deal with it and they're keeping it quiet and figuring out what they want to do with this ability they've got or whatever then you've got a small group of people more like say the you know sentinel cannon who are working to, you know, they're using Jim's abilities, but they're also covering up for him and protecting him. And then you've got, like, a large group of people who are affected, but the general public doesn't know, and it's, it's a contained thing. Um, so there's, there's degrees to which people know about it, are exposed. To, and this would be in a more, like, the, the side where it's um, isolated group or one person who's affected. And there are ways to just, it, depending upon your story length and how much you, how much you plan to write, to to contain the ripples, the fallout of something like this. And um, the Stargate framework and what Kira's come up with in her plot, it keeps everything very contained. You know, between the geography with Atlantis, between Atlantis and the Daedalus and, and Cheyenne Mountain, you've got a lot of very contained, easily controlled, um, both geographically and as, in terms of groups of people from a security perspective. So, um, I really, I think that's just really slick the way you put all that together. Well, thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with my plot. Um, I uh, the thing is is lately and I and I I blame the legacy and also my current story that I'm working on for the Quantum Bang. I've been exploring fatherhood, um, and uh, and just the themes of it. And it could be because I grew up with a series of stepfathers, and um, well, not a series, but <laughs> there were two. Um, and my biological father doesn't care if I live or die. So, um, exploring paternal love is is interesting to me and um 
Um, so I've just been, you know, kind of working with that, um, both with um, when I did the legacy and um, plotting my other stories for the James Potter series and um, um I think for me, the moment happened when I was writing Courting Hermione Granger, when Harry goes to pick up the baby um, in that destroyed nursery. And it's like in that moment, um, fatherhood kind of fell upon him. Um, And he was having to figure out what to do with Hermione's cousin and what was going to happen to this, to this innocent baby. Um, And then they brought her home. And he told her that she could call him daddy. And I was like, oh, there, there we go. And so <laughs> I've been exploring that ever since, really, with um, Courting Hermione Granger, with um, James Potter, with The Legacy, with my Quantum Bang, which when you see it, you'll be like, holy shit, Kira, go see a fair about your daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even a co- there's, it's we need to come up with a code name for it based upon daddy issues. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know. So having that for John and um maybe if you can go back even further with what what might have been and, and John's surprise fatherhood there. But um exploring that um from um John's own um, history being used against him and um, what they plan to do with the baby. Um, And just finding out that they had both been set up and that the IOA had plans for their child that didn't include um, Miko's survival. Wow. So... You know, um, yeah, I mean, you know, because they would have had to have gotten her back on Earth at some point to, and you know, the easiest way to do that was say, well, you know, you can't stay on Atlantis if you're pregnant, so you're going to have to come home. And then she would have been at their mercy. Um, but it didn't work out that way. Because Beckett lost control of the experiment. He didn't see it coming. Um and so it's about so yeah it's about that it's it, it's about exploring um um fatherhood for John and um how far he will go and i've i've touched on it briefly in what might have been you know um John's path to fatherhood and and what he would be willing to do for his child um but it is central in patient 0 because patient 0 is is John's son whom i have not named yet <laughs> You haven't done a name for him yet? The baby? No, I haven't named the baby yet. I have a oh. whole list. I just haven't named the baby yet. I mean, there are... I, I know it's a boy. Um, uh, but I haven't named the baby. I have I have a list. You need to do a... a, a, a I got to say what you need to do. A Deadpool 2 nod where they joke about naming the baby Earl. <laughs> You're not naming him Earl. <laughs> His name is not Earl. 
Well, considering Miko's reaction to finding out she was pregnant and what they planned to do with her baby, I think they'll be very careful about suggesting baby names for Miko's baby. <laughs> yes. Honey, what do you want to name the baby? <laughs> Whatever you want is fine. Oh, Dealer's girl? Choice. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, really Dealer's okay. Choice. Whatever you did, whatever you say, sweetheart. A lot of that is, is background because I don't want to, um, I don't like to start stories from a dark place. So it's going to start um, after all the events are taking place um, that led up to the exposure and the mutation and the deaths. Um, so by the time the IOA comes together to have this meeting where they're going to demand that the population leave Atlantis, um, which is not going to go their way, obviously. Um, the the baby has been born, um, and John is the only person from Atlantis who will be going to Midway. Um, and they're only going to have him to deal with. And there will be, like, uh, interviews uh, through video feed for, with other people or video statements. Um, but John's not going to let them anywhere near the rest of his people. I, I, and that makes perfect sense that John would be both protective and territorial like that. I mean, he has to he has to protect his territory because they're that they're a major threat. They are a major threat, not only to his to his mates, but to his city, um, to all the people that look to him for um, support and leadership and the vacuum that's left after um, all the deaths occur. Um, He's their leader and he's seeking justice for them. So, you know, it's a, and they can never go home. Yeah. They have to, they they have to go find, they have to have Atlantis because they, they, the reality is the realistic consequences you can't have them back on earth they would never be safe no and that will be what Thor decides ultimately Um, you strip them of their humanity they have nowhere else to go you're not getting their home good for Thor I like the Asgard being the intermediary on that and making that decision I mean, Stargate Atlantis is a very ideal fandom in a way for exploring characters with mutations because you can't it is you can contain it. Um, you can do this exit from Earth thing, and it's been explored. That whole idea of the separation from Earth thing has been explored. It's been explored by you. Uh, I mean, many authors explored the idea of the separation from Earth. So Lady Holder has done it. To, yeah, Lady Holder's done it. So you can explore that separation from Earth thing in different, and that's one thing we talk about when we talk about like taking an idea and doing your own thing with it. It's like if you were to do Kate Kira's plot, her entire plot idea, that would be like uncool and do your thing. But the idea of the mutation from the Erratus thing and separation from Earth ultimately, and the people who are mutated from the Erratus bug living on Atlantis, that's a very bare bones concept that you could do your own thing with. Right. So you can take these ideas and it's it's kind of like you kind of to figure out how to morph them and make them into what you want to do. And that's kind of why they say what there's like seven basic stories. If you're taking 
and sometimes the idea gets more and more specific, but there's a difference between people working from the same plot and people working from the same basic concept. Um, story I'm doing for November where Tony is, is a, the biological descendant of a super soldier, and he was conceived with the person that the super soldier already um, being the super soldier, so he's got that serum in him. You could take that basic concept of the biological offspring of a super soldier and go a billion different directions with it. Um, different characters. It doesn't have to be Tony Dinozo. He's my unicorn. He doesn't have to be yours. Um, <laughs> Spencer Reed. It could be, you know, whatever. Although, you know, it, it is Tony. I, since he's my unicorn, I would ask that you not get him too dirty. Um, but the, uh, you know, which super soldier? I mean, you could ask yourself which super soldier, right? It doesn't have to be Steve Rogers. It could be Bucky Barnes. I mean, Nick, Nick Fury had super soldier serum, didn't he? Uh, yes, and so did Natasha. Yeah, so it could be yeah, it could be Natasha's. Um, could be Nick Fury's. It could be it could be a kid that was cooked up in the lab, um, with um. You know, but you know, Natasha didn't have to bear a child for it to be her kid. Considering some of the things the Red Room did, they could easily have her eggs on ice. Somebody could have them. So um, you could do a, a kid cooked up in a lab, and maybe they thought that the, you know, um, the um, that their attempt to breed super soldier serum into somebody was ineffective, and so they put the kid into an orphanage, and the kid is raised by is adopted and, and doesn't ever know anything about any of this. And then maybe something happens, like a portal opening in space or something, or energy from the Tesseract, they get exposed to it, and it activates the super soldier serum. Um, oh, some mothershipping. Okay, uh, sorry, I got distracted by the concept. <laughs> um, so, all aboard the mothership. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to climb aboard. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, Bruce Banner. It could be somebody could be Bruce Banner's kid. That would be um, really interesting. So you could you could take that basic concept of somebody who is the child or grandchild or whatever of a super soldier, but really adapt it to what you want to do based upon type of ability. A grandson, grandchild, does the super soldier in question know about their offspring? Do they, how do they find out? Um, what is the nature of the mutation they wind up with? How does their serum get activated? Which, you know, who is it? Is it, is it, is it Natasha? Is it Bucky? Is it Steve? Is it Nick Fury? Who is it? Um, so you got, I think there's a lot of, um, There's a lot of ways you can go with a basic concept like that um, without, like, feeling like you have to, you know, without feeling like you're – it's not idea plagiarism to take a basic concept and, and run it in a different direction. Um, what I would call it more like when you're getting more into idea plagiarism is when you start mirroring. If somebody's revealed their plot and you start mirroring the actual full details of their plot, that gets a little bit skeevy. But so there's a lot you can work with in um, – 
I could. Somebody suggested government flipping super soldier. Um, imagine probably more, more actually more sperm than eggs into fertility clinics. Um, but you'd have to, if you're going to, that's, that's a basic concept, but the question is, what are you going to do with that? Why would they have done that? Um, are they, you know, it takes quite a bit. Yeah. It takes quite a bit of resources to monitor random babies. Like if you put a bunch of sperm from a super soldier into random fertility banks, you then have to have a hack into to figure out who got those, that sperm and monitor the offspring. And, you know, I don't know how many, you know, women get, um, can, can be, can order sperm from one particular sample. So it's, it's a basic it's a basic building block, but there's a lot you'd have to work out with what the pur- purpose of that is because that is a lot of resources for something that would be easier to do in a government controlled lab versus monitoring a bunch of random kids all over the country. I'm actually trying to think and because we're plotting ideas, I'm actually trying to work out that idea in my head of what benefit there is to having it be random kids. Um, that they have to keep an eye on. Um, um, unless they take them after birth. They could. They could like be using a, these women order. That's really horrifying. Like yeah, a, that could be. Like the pretender? Yeah, they're using them as incubators. The pretender, and um, they, they design children um, and uh, through a uh, through a fertility clinic, and then when they got to a certain age, they kidnapped them to train them to um, to use them um, as a um, as a, as a think tank. Very good show. Very dark. Yeah, premise. it was a good show. It and it it got very dark at times. Not as dark as it could have, though. Not as dark no, as their no. world building suggested it could have gone. Um. Okay, so the person so suggested that the idea came about about the Red Room having Natasha's eggs um, and then putting them, like, in a fertility clinic as donor eggs. Wow, that's the point. I mean, I could see it. I could see them as wanting a way to – I mean, I could see you could build a plot around that, but for some reason that feels, like, super-duper um, – it's an interesting, I would say it's an interesting plot premise, but it just feels so ugly, like such ugly behavior. So it could go a really dark direction or it could be a really, um, if you're trying to explore something, well, a little bit, not, and I don't know if it's any worse than confiscating, taking sperm from super soldiers, but um, it really is very invasive, right? Especially if they've, I don't know if it's, is it Fanny or Cannon that she can't have children? I've seen it's it so canon much in, in the movies. In the movies, um, that she tells Bruce that um, the Red Room sterilized her. Okay. So you could actually write something very positive with that kind of dark background. Is that she, maybe it's a very painful point for her that she can't have children. And then she finds out that she's got a kid out there somewhere. And that not only that, but maybe that her eggs are still out there, and she could have children again if she wanted. She could actually go retrieve those eggs and have kids. Um, yeah, you could yeah, do something it's more. Ho- 
Yeah. So if you if you wanted to do something like if if, you, if Natasha's a character you like and you want to do something that's focused more on her, um, you could do something with where she gets her eggs back. Uh, something like that. Um, but yeah, it could be that she's got a kid floating around out there. So that could be. But yeah, if you're just doing it as a general idea about you know them seeding sperm banks with um, either you know eggs or um, ovum or um, sperm from super soldiers or or whatever kind of mutation, um, you you definitely have to work out what they're doing with that. Are they carefully monitoring? The mothers, when the mother gives, when the mothers give birth, they kidnap the babies. Do they grab when they're older? Is it like, like Kira said, like a pretender type thing. Um, the thing is, when you're doing it like in an MCU type universe, there are still you, you can have like it be angsty that somebody comes into mutation because it's not like everybody's running around with mutations, but you are dealing in a world where there are superheroes and people are kind of adapted to that and it can be seen very positively. So you don't necessarily have to go into an angst spiral to, you don't have to go into an angst spiral in, in a, in a comic book type universe necessarily to deal with a people having mutation. It could, they could be forthright about it out and living with it and people know about it. Halo type thing. Um, a halo um, would be bio modification, and it would qualify. Mm. My damn studio. Here's my studio. In ha- in the Halo verse, um, the government steals children um, out of um, orphanages, um, and they take them and they modify them. Um, to be super soldiers, and they basically live in an pressured, in a pressured um, environmental suit um, as adults, um, and they are heavily biomodified to um, to work basically as a one man war, uh, and that's what the Master Chief is. He's a one man war, but in we learn in um, in Halo Reach, which is another game, that there are teams of Spartans. Uh, so uh, Master Chief working alone isn't the norm. He's he's a special case. He's assigned to a ship. He's not. Um, and that the implication is is that each ship has their own Spartan. And he's a he's a a one man war. Basically, yeah, like I said. So and so since these children are heavily modified. Um, in in childhood and and raised and indoctrinated to to make war, um, uh, they 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 would qualify for the challenge. But yeah, you could do that kind of premise if you wanted to not do Halo, but just because you can take inspiration from whatever kind of structure you want if you wanted to take inspiration from halo in the sense of um gathering super soldiers from orphanages and stuff and building people who are biomodified to be super soldiers but put it in a different setting with a different cast it doesn't have to be you know um in space it doesn't have to be sci-fi from that angle 
So there's just different approaches you could take to, I mean, sometimes I wonder where this, is it in developing the idea once they have a basic idea? Like when people are, I know some people have struggled with coming up with ideas for November, like a mutation thing. And I probably should just ask this question earlier. I'm like, is it like a developing a basic idea or figuring out how to deal with the mutation, how to get your character mutated? Because there's a lot of different, I mean, that's a really different approach, whether it's just kind of a basic idea for what is the mutation and how did they get it? Um, is it controlling the world building? Is it um, developing the idea once you've got a basic thing to do? Like if you want, you know, if you go, like, I really like to write a story where styles is telekinetic, but that's, I mean, that's, that's a broad brushstroke, right? So how do you develop that? How did he get it? What does that look like? This is something really interesting. Or what if Styles has a mutation and he's been living under the radar um, his whole life, basically, until um, the Hales come back to uh, whatever the fuck that town, Beacon Hills, and um, suddenly his life's kind of turned upside down because they know he's not right. <laughs> I mean, it could be a, a, a you where the Hales live or whatever. It doesn't really matter if it's just Derek or if it's his whole family. And, you know, um, Styles has been, you know, just doing his thing, and all of a sudden there's a pack of werewolves that are really interested in him. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, the first thing they well, say is, might have a really you? good idea what to do with Derek, depending on how you ship it. But, uh, yeah, it would be really I interesting. Ship it. Maybe, yeah, I ship it. Um, when they're adults. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it would just be interesting. Maybe, you know, Styles is uh, running a coffee shop or a bookstore, you know, Beacon Hills. He's just hanging out, doing his thing, being a whatever he is, whatever you make him. And now there's this damn family of werewolves <laughs> that are stalking him because he's not what he's pretending to be. Well, you know, and the idea that the the mutation thing is just something a little off the norm, right? Something is different about them. It could be that they have their mutation manifest in, um, I'm trying to think of something really benign that people might want to do deliberately. What if somebody's been mutated not to need sleep? They've been like, it was accidental. They're trying to do something else and they wind up giving somebody a mutation where they don't need sleep. Um, what would that be like for somebody? I mean, that, they can totally fly under the radar with that and maybe they don't report it. Nobody has any idea that's what happened to them. But what would life be suddenly like for somebody who wasn't asleep ever? That that wasn't part of it. I know it's freaking me out just talking about it. But, I mean, mutation, when we talk about, like, somebody's mutated, it doesn't have to be laser beams or telekinesis or, you know, telepathy or um, turning blue. I mean, it doesn't have to be flying, sprouting wings. It doesn't have to be anything so so X-Men-like. Um, it could be something really Subtle. Now, Lauren, yeah, Lauren did have his sleep removed in Angel, but that he, he didn't he kind of go kind of wackadoodle. I would think your goal would not be to make your character insane. 
Um, unless. Unless you like that kind of thing. And some people do write that, you know, which is, there's a place for everything, right? People like writing me. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's the strangest idea. Um, um, people like writing the dystopian darker stuff and that's and then there's people who want to read it so you know if that's your thing you do you it's hard for me to personally talk to those kinds of ideas because it's not my jam but ellie says she said morphing ps i got this idea of what if people were trying to introduce animal traits into people and they thought that they had failed like they were trying to you know take the basis of the werewolf idea and this wouldn't be a werewolf thing but they're trying to you know bring animal traits in and they think that they failed and all they've done is give the guy a knot (laughs) <laughs> and they have, no, they have no idea. Like in Dark Angel, they don't know what's going to happen, and he just ends up being a nodder. Yeah. That cracks me up. First time he has, first time he has sex, he's like, whoa, what happened down there? <laughs> that I mean, that could make him very popular with some people very quickly. But, you know, <laughs> there could be even something like that um, as – it's such a small thing, right? You could that could be really weird for somebody. It's like, can they have sex again, right? Like, did they, do they tell people? Do they explain? You know, how do you tell your sex partners that you're, that you, when you're about to come, that the face of your dick is going to get a lot bigger? <laughs> I mean, really? It's just such a strange <laughs> thing to explore, right? It would have. I don't know that I could. I don't know that I could get fifty k out of that, but I could probably get twenty five out of it. <laughs> and that's one of the levels. So, but mutation doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be X Men like or big or showy or superpowers. It could be. You could turn your per, your your character into like a literal god. Um. Or you could not not a true god because that's not part of the challenge. But like they were human and they become a god because of exposure to the sun. I don't know. That would work. But it could also be something very small. Like they. What if somebody who's perfectly normal suddenly has an eidetic memory that that there's something they get exposed to that causes them to remember everything they see and hear. And what would you do with that, and how would it change them? And it would really depend upon what their role in life was, right? So, you know, like, what if um, that that whole thing about not sleeping? If you don't have to sleep, or if you can't sleep. Filling up 24 hours a day for the rest of your life, it, it, I guess it depends on what kind of person you are, because I would write 24-7. <laughs> like, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> if I was going to me nuts, I mean, I could read, and I could write, and I could, you know, I don't know. I just don't necessarily think that would be a bad one, as long as it didn't drive you nuts. <laughs> You'd have to you'd have to build in some kind of there's there's something about whether it's at night or there's like a transition thing right like it it's a pause there's a reset happens with sleep it's not just it's not just a physical thing it's 
okay, we're winding down the day, you're getting ready for bed, you're going to bed, you wake up, you're groggy, you have coffee. There's so many transitions we go through in the day that are about sleep or about getting rest and waking up from rest, recovering from rest, starting over, starting the day fresh. Well, if your day never ended, how would you adapt? I mean, you would have no end to your day. Would you build in transitions or would it just be an endless stretch of, well, I mean, because we, we demarcate I think things. you would you know, have to do periods of meditation, maybe. I mean, you know. Yeah, you, you could you could do, do like Teal does with his. I never even thought about it from that angle about like, what is that like? Because whether it's before you go to bed or when you get up, like we shower and there's like all these rituals and stuff around somehow functioning around the start of the day and the start of the day has to do with when you sleep or the end of the day. And if you don't ever have a true end to your day, um, well, yes, REM is a necessary function, but we're talking about some of the mutation conceivably that if, if they're not going to go insane, that this, this has been mutated out of them. So, um, Otherwise, it's not a mutation if it kills them. If it drives them right. crazy, it's, and they, it's you're, a health you're, condition. Not... And there is actually a health there. There is a disorder, a sleep disorder, where um, people can't sleep. They're they're physically incapable of going to sleep, and it does kill them. It is it um it is fatal. Uh, there was an episode of. SVU about it actually, where this dude had a uh, sleeping disorder where he did not sleep. He was incapable of it, and um, it destroyed his life. And they didn't know what was going on, and um, they figure it out. I think he got like accused of peeping tomming or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was, um, but he ended up in a mental institution. And by the time they got to him, he had like like thirty or forty days to live. Um. Oh, but so a mutation would be it, different. So the idea is that your mutation is something that is not a health condition, right? You're, it's something that it, it works for them in, in general. I mean, it could not work for them. That could be part of the problem is like they've got powers that they don't know how to control. But if their mutation is something like not sleeping, it, it you wouldn't want to apply reality to. Because that, that, that curious, that's just a health condition at that point. Um, but they would, it would be an interesting thing. I'm like, what is that like when there's no end to your day? You have an eternal day, except that the sun goes down. Um, you, you would, you would mark off time differently. I think you would develop your own rhythm. Uh, it did some studies of people who like lived in caves or something like that and like lived indoors constantly. And they did fall into a different rhythm. People who had the sun without a circade, they didn't. Without a circadian rhythm, they did fall into like a longer day than what our 24-hour day is. But anyway, that's a side thing. But there would have to be something. You'd have to create some kind of transition point. Because the brain does like hit a point where it can only make so many decisions in so much a certain amount of time. So I don't know. It's an interesting yeah. idea to explore what that would be like. I'm finding myself intrigued by it. But that's it is intriguing, kind of quiet... but I'm not sure it's 50k intriguing. Um, 
they, it would have to be like a life changing thing for them. Like it, 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 they spend their, since they're not sleeping, they get involved in so many other things that it takes them on a new path and you'd be exploring the path that they go on as a result of the fact that they're basically able to live, you know, What's really interesting is if you think about it, the um, Groundhog Day is is like that. He he lives his whole day, and then he wakes up um, and starts the day over again. It's the same day over and over and over and over and over again. Um, But the way his day ends, he doesn't actually get to go to sleep. His day ends, and then he wakes up to that stupid song over and over and over and over and over and over again, <laughs> like for thousands of, of times. And he goes nuts for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally understandable. <laughs> Hence the suicide chain, yeah. Trying to off himself. Which, honestly, my fa- that was my favorite part. With the oh, with, it's, it's with him and the groundhog in the truck. Oh, my favorite part is when he um, steps in front of the truck with his hands up and he kind of closes and opens his fist a few times. I don't know what the closing and opening of the fist was supposed to be, but it was sort of like I don't know. <laughs> like here I am, hit me. I, it was just so bizarre. <laughs> But he isn't getting to experience a natural rhythm with his sleep. So no, because even when he tries to stay up all night, he just he blinks and it's the next morning. Right. Until but he finally gets it right, who, or you know, the universe decides that, that it has punished him enough. What would you do with like an extra ten hours in your day? You know, what could you do with that? Because it's not just the time you're asleep, right? Like I said, it's all that transition time. It's the prepping for bed and winding down. If you don't ever wind down, you just move from thing to thing to thing to thing. Um, somebody could it could enable somebody who's relatively normal to pick up a whole other life um, and like be a vigilante superhero type guy, kind of like the Punisher kind of thing. And yet they still manage to hold down a full time job. And so they're always, they're never under suspicion because how could a guy be holding down a full-time job and doing all this work and be out on the streets 10 hours a night? He wouldn't, and you could even have a joke about it, like some cop goes, the guy would have to never sleep. <laughs> I mean, you could make a joke about your own pot. That's the proper way to break the fourth wall. Um It'd be really funny if like someone like Spencer Reed said it. It's yeah, that would be impossible for this to be a person who can do this, this, and this because they would never get any sleep. And by now they'd be in. We eliminated <laughs> right. We eliminated him as a suspect because only somebody who never slept would be able to. He would have to never sleep in order to be able to do all this. Um. But yeah, that's the point of that big old long ramble was you could do a very like a small mutation that doesn't have to be. Big and showing. I'm doing a big and showing mutation because why not? Um, <laughs> why not? Because I can. Well, I wasn't going to do it be that big and showy, but I had to figure out a reason to get Thor on Earth. And like I said, sometimes problem solving leads to words. Um, 
Big words. And there's no there's no reason for him to be around, and he wasn't around, and no actually no way for him to transport at that time, unless there's an emergency. Clearly, it was he had talked only about dark energy that the All Father had to muster to send Thor to Earth during the Battle for New York. Um, mm-hmm. So unless there's an emergency, that's not going to happen again. So I was like, well, what kind of emergency would put send Thor back to Earth? I was like, what if Odin felt Tony come into his powers? What if it was that so immense that he felt it and he knew there was a threat rising on – he felt it could be a threat. And he didn't know what it was. And so he sends Thor to investigate and take, out, take it out, kill it, destroy it, whatever you have to do if it's a threat. And that's why he sends Thor back to Earth. So, I'm so excited. Yay. Damn it. So I was like, keep well, moving at me. But I was like, <laughs> I, had to, I had to bring the mutation level up from just super soldier mutation to, you know, like epic, you know, nearly godlike level mutation in order to capture. Because I need to capture Odin's attention. I'm like, well, what's going to capture his attention? <laughs> Problem solving leads to words. Lots and extra, of words. extra scenes. Because now I have to have scenes between, a scene or two between, well, I don't necessarily have to have as many scenes as I plan because some of it can, um, but I feel like it was really important that there be a, a scene from Thor's perspective where Odin is sending him to Earth that we have that scene. So extra th- scenes. I prefer Thor with short hair, but canonically at that point he does have long hair, but, um, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out a way to get it cut because I, I thought he looked super hot with the short hair. <laughs> I do too. I was like, I'm not. I'm, I'm even digging the eye patch. I was kind of disappointed when Rocket I, gave him an eye. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I, I was digging that eye, like, patch, the eye patch. and the short hair. He didn't need an eye. Come on. Although it was hilarious when Thor put it in, and Rocket was like, well, "You could have probably watched it. You know, watched it." <laughs> that, the illusions that that Rocket was making there just so grossed me out. I couldn't deal. <laughs> um, I'd have watched that if I, I had you. I actually probably would just have it be that you know he loses a big chunk of it in a battle or something. Oh no, I just got an idea. Okay, I just oh, sorted see, out how his hair is going to get short. <laughs> words, people, words, Yay! words, more words. Um, Damn it. Yeah, I want to. I've written a lot of. Um, well, this will still have some serious stuff, but I've written a lot of really more serious stuff lately. Um, and I, so when we were prepping for this challenge, I wanted to have a lot of fun with it, which is kind of why I was kind of going with the big and sh- big and flashy mutation and um, setting it in the MCU. And uh, I just wanted I wanted to be entertained by my November project. I didn't want to write anything that was too heavy. Uh, just based on some other, you know, other stuff I'm working on and what I've been writing lately, I just wanted that change of pace. So um, that was how I made that decision. But just whatever degree of mutation you want to write is acceptable. It's fine. It's just the idea is just to explore it. Your character is is not your normal everyday human, and what does that look like for them, or what is the effect on other people, or Whatever, however you think it means to explore that concept is 
what's what you do. So we thought about like if people are having a hard time developing ideas or whatever for this, we could like just throw out some suggestions about how you could build an idea, how you could take an idea. And thank you, um, Ellie, for throwing the idea of the sky high thing out because it gave us a good uh, good example of how to take a basic uh, uh, the idea she had and run with it. You could run with it as is. She offered that up. Um, <laughs> she offered a that superhero idea. temp agency. Temp agency. Yeah, we need a fill in. We need a fill in for um, the cover. You know, New Jersey this weekend. Yeah, that's hysterical. But how you could adapt, take an idea and adapt it to fit your situation. Let's see if I'm my screen. Let's see if I missed anything. I I think what's really important is not to stress yourself out about the um about sometimes I think people coming into the Rough Trade Challenge put more expectations on themselves than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's about it's about challenging yourself. It's about um, be really funny if Deadpool ran the superhero temp agency and was like, "No, New Jersey, I can't send you to New Jersey anymore because you remember what happened last time, and they don't want you, so you need to go stand in the corner." <laughs> oh, he would too. He would. Now I want. Now I want the story. He would send people. To the corner, he would send his <laughs> superhero attempts to the corner. Domino, you can go to New Jersey. Be real lucky. <laughs> what if? <laughs> what if they're so trained? This is so totally cracky. What if they're so trained to 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 deal with getting in trouble by having to stand in the corner, and like the first time that that Deadpool's temp agency actually gets a call from the Avengers. Like they need a fill in for one of the, one of the main people and whoever it is that Deadpool sends to film with the Avengers fucks up. And so they get back to debrief and the guy goes and stands in the corner. <laughs> and Steve Rogers is like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I fucked up out there. I didn't, I didn't follow your orders exactly. And, is it like a half hour for this offense or more? <laughs> Everybody's like, what is going on? I was like, well, Deadpool puts us in the corner when we fail in training oh exercise. I can see like going, yes, Tony, get in the corner. <laughs> it's like, what? That's the, really? That's what he does? Huh? I like this. Yes, we're, we're going to implement this. <laughs> Steve, we'll send him a thank you note. And there is, and there, and the, and the thing about the thing about when you get to superheroes and um, mutants, you could go cracky. And if that's your thing, you go whole hog, you go all in. Azure was, is a great crack consultant. Not that Kira and I clearly can't come up with the crack, but she is. You know, yes, because apparently I'm still to blame for the vegetable ninja. <laughs> the vegetable ninja, yeah. But she is a great crack consultant, and 
you could just go whole hog. You could go do your 25K. You could even have people, yeah, you could do that. You could have people decorating different corners of the conference room. They're set up different ways because that's the one they want to be in when they get in trouble. I want to be at the one with the with the books and the wine. Thank you. If you're going to put me in the corner, I want the back <laughs> corner. I can't have a timeout right now. Tony's in my corner. <laughs> <laughs> I have to wait my turn. All of the We're Avengers are in the seconds. corner. <laughs> Down to sixty seconds. Um, dummies in the corner too. Uh, <laughs> Tony in the corner. But we'll have another podcast tomorrow night. I guess it'll be Friday. Um, and um, if you want, we can do another one. You guys can bring your ideas, and um, we can play with them a little and see what we come up with. And because um, we got basically three more days, basically to um to set yourselves up for rough trade and um just remember going into rough trade that we we want you to have fun say good night jilly good night everyone